Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, dear listeners. Is it not strange that the most powerful, the most profitable and precious book of incalculable value is considered a dead letter by many, while comic books and horoscopes, though valueless, enthrall millions. The precious book I'm speaking about today is the Bible, God's own book, His self-revelation that is of infinite value to mortals such as you and me. It's a publication authored in heaven and breathed out by God the Holy Spirit himself. We're busy on this program to call attention to some of the claims the Bible makes about itself, that we might benefit from its testimony and that our lives might be given God-pleasing structure and direction. One of the passages I'd like you to contemplate with me today is Hebrews 4 verse 12. There we read the following, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. These words are part of a letter written to Jewish Christians long ago, to help convince them to place their hope and trust in the living God and in his Son, Jesus Christ. For this Christ had come to fulfill the promises concerning himself and his church, promises recorded in the Old Testament. Prior to chapter 4, the author had proclaimed the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Superior to angels, he says, yes, the radiance of God's glory. He'd also written about Jesus' flesh and blood birth, that he might bring many sons to glory. That's chapter 2, verse 10. This by his death on the cross, which satisfied the Father's just demand, that since sin was committed by a human being, a human being also should pay for sin. And yet the writer had also warned his readers against unbelief. They were reminded that because of unbelief their forefathers had died by the thousands in the desert, this while they were on the way to the promised land. Did that mean there was no possibility of true and eternal rest for God's people? Oh no, for God doesn't go back on his word. Though many who had formerly heard the gospel preached to them did not go into God's rest, yet, said the writer emphatically, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For those who believe, yes, for those who believe the living and abiding word of God. God's people then and now must therefore persevere on life's journey in faith lest they, like the Jews of old, fail through unbelief, unbelief that can lead to one's condemnation. For the word of God is living and active, or as we could also read, quick and powerful. 
far from being a dead letter, God's Word, that is, Holy Scripture, is alive. It's nimble. It moves. Quick implies a stirring characteristic, such as causing another thing to stir or move to action. We get such things as quicksilver, which is mercury, and quick sands, as well as quick-spirited from this word. It is powerful as well. Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And there the word for power is one from which we derive the word dynamite, as well as something that is dynamic. God's word is so powerful and so active that it can transform people who were dead and dull spiritually into living, active, fruitful citizens of God's kingdom. In many places, the Bible testifies to the fact that it can break into a person's life with God's own power. And in doing so, it can overcome every stronghold of sin and human opposition. In Hebrews 4, verse 12, we read that it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It's double-edged, meaning it can cut both ways. It is equally fit both to save or to judge. The Old Testament in Isaiah 55, verse 11, testifies to the fact that God's word will not return to him empty. It will accomplish whatever God desires and whatever he sends it to do. True, careless unbelievers are greatly at risk in neglecting God's word and dismissing his precepts. After all, God's word is a sharp, double-edged sword. If God should war against us with that sword, who could stand? And yet God is gracious. When the Holy Spirit applies that word to our lives, penetrating our hearts, or as our text says, penetrating even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, wonderful things do happen. Look what happened on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit had been poured out in abundance, and Peter proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then, when the crowd heard Peter saying that they had crucified this Jesus, who is both Lord and Christ, they were cut to the heart. They cried out to Peter and the other apostles, saying, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's the power of God's Word. When you hear it, it comes into us and it discovers our attitude towards its sender. By God's grace, when it is accompanied by the life-giving Spirit of God, it convicts us of sin and our rebellion against the Lord. But then it also humbles us, and it causes us to come clean before the Lord, that in the way of true repentance we might receive comfort and life everlasting. In the verses immediately following Hebrews 4.12, the author says that you really can't hide from God. 
That penetrating word of his uncovers everything. It lays it all bare before the Lord, and it is to him that we must give an account. And yet, the writer didn't say that in order to cause us to shake in terror. You read on, and there is this gracious testimony concerning Jesus, the Son of God, a high priest who is well able to sympathize with our weaknesses one who was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. It is the word of God which tells me this, convinces me of this. It is this powerful, quicksilver word that came to those Hebrews, those Christians who may very well have been in danger of giving up their newborn faith and returning to Jewish teachings and laws God did not sanction. Dear listeners, we are living in a land where we still have the opportunity to hear God's word, to read it and to acknowledge King Jesus the only name given under heaven by which we can be saved. How important, then, to cherish not just his memory, but his testimony, for the Bible is his word for all ages. That fact is denied by many also in our beautiful country. Instead, there are many who are clinging to false hopes, misleading fables, the doctrines of fallible people instead of to God's Word. Since the early 1980s, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms has for many become an infallible word of sorts. And yet, though this charter contains many worthwhile statements and it militates against abuses, it is decidedly secular. It refuses to recognize the supremacy of God, and it dares to turn his biblical statutes regarding marriage and the family, as well as the protection of unborn babies and what constitutes morality and immorality, upside down. Would we do as Canada's national anthem still directs us, so that we stand on guard for thee? We can do no better than to honor and to embrace the one true God of the Bible with a living, working, obedient faith, praying there might come a return to God's rights, His word, His double-edged sword, before it is too late and our country ends up as a wasteland where everyone does only what is right in his or her own eyes. For in God alone my soul will rest. His word is sure, his testimonies just. So then, treasure that word and live. Amen, and thank you so much for listening today. <laughs> 